Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Now, we've talked about the cost of living crisis on this programme many, many times, as well as food poverty and of how communities are still struggling with feeding themselves and their immediate families. Joining me on the phone now is Simone Connolly from Fair Share Midlands. Now, Simone is a great friend of Friday Night Clive and has been on before. And we're going to find out how, how her organisation is helping communities at the moment. And she joins me now. Good evening, Simone. Hello, Clive. Hi. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. For anybody who's unfamiliar with Fair Share, uh, tell me about that. So Fair Share, as an organisation, we are redistributors, a charitable redistributor of surplus food from the food industry. So Fair Share as a, as a network across the UK has warehouses from Scotland, um, Aberdeen, right down to Cornwall. So lots of warehouses who are providing a solution to the food industry for when their food becomes surplus. We take that food in and we redistribute surplus food to frontline community groups and organisations across the across the UK. Most of those organisations are based in high areas of deprivation, so where people are living in poverty or food insecure. Um, we, we, we take that food in and we redistribute it to those organisations who then um, ensure that food gets to people who need it the most. And I guess families are still uh, experiencing food poverty at the moment and obviously, you know, the cost of living crisis because, you know, that that still hasn't changed, has it? It hasn't changed. Obviously, inflation is coming down, interest rates are going are going up or have gone up. Uh, the problem hasn't gone away. It's still very, very bumpy out there, very, very uncertain, very, very challenging. Um, you know, it's... It, it's not going away. It's going to take a long time before people start to uh, be breathing a sigh of relief. You know, people are still struggling financially. Um, prices of, you know, essentials are very, very vulnerable. So fuel, energy, you know, with, you know, people that are on low income or indeed benefits have had a little bit of reprieve, you know, from some support from the government that... Is that going to, you know, what what comes next? You know, we've got the the autumn coming, we've got the winter coming. Fuel prices have just gone up. Um, It seems like food prices are stabilising slightly, but still much higher than ever. But, you know, the the problems are there. People are struggling more than ever. Mm. Um, And, you know, is it going to get better anytime soon? Absolutely not. Not, Certainly not from what we're seeing. Is Fair Share still diverting the surplus food to where it's needed? And is there still the same amount of surplus food coming through? Or would you say restaurants, supermarkets and such like are are buying a lot more smarter now so there isn't so much coming through? Yes, I mean we work with the whole of the food the food industry, so the whole supply chain from from you know your farmers, your producers, your manufacturers to your distribution centres. Um, uh, you know most listeners will recognise surface food as occurring in retailers because that's just what people see. But actually, surface food occurs much further up the supply chain. Um, is, is there still the same volume of surface food? Well, globally, a third of the food that is produced is wasted. Uh, certainly in the UK, the majority of the food that is wasted is actually wasted in homes, so mm. not actually by the food industry. Um, and that's generally down to, you know, people kind of not understanding about use-by dates, 
best before dates, but also people don't quite get their ordering quite for night. Um, but the reality is the food industry are absolutely doing everything they can to reduce their food because if they don't do that, then obviously that impacts on their profits. But also with much more intelligent purchasing systems, we've got artificial intelligence that we haven't had in the past. Mm. The food industry is definitely getting better. So therefore, surplus food is definitely becoming less of an issue, which is absolutely fantastic for the for the environment. However, there is still at least 3 million tons of food that is surplus to requirement. This is edible food. That's extraordinary. That be, well, if you equate that to meals, in our language, that's 7 billion meals. That would be the end of food insecurity. So you could actually say people do not need to be food insecure. Everybody can eat. Everybody can eat. There's enough food for people to access. The problem is it's very, very challenging, very, very complex. The logistics of getting that food from the farmers to the end user is, is expensive. So the reality is without government recognition and support to address the challenge, uh, we, you know, we're not going to see that volume of food getting to people that, that need it. Um, you know, and where does the problem come from? Is it is it the food industry? Is it consumers? We've all got a part to play in overproduction, surplus food. I don't think it will ever go away because it's such a highly produced product mm. that cannot. There's no kind of finite. You cannot guarantee how many people are going to walk into a supermarket. So therefore, you know. An organisation, a food producer, a retailer will produce X number of products. They might not sell that number of products, but it is, it, it's definitely get, getting better. However, there's still, like I say, still huge volumes of food that we could get to people who need it the most. And just to, for listeners to put it into um, some kind of context in, in relation to central government investment into surplus food. £750 million pounds of government funding is ring-fenced divert surplus food to renewable energy mm-hmm. it's a big amount i'll say how much government funding is ring fenced to divert edible surplus food to human consumption and probably, have, you know, probably nowhere idea? near nowhere near probably zero really zero. gosh so we are you know in earnest lobbying the government and trying to get the government to you know, rebalance those, those scales because the food is there and it isn't a scandal because production, growing, etc. there'll always be surplus. And what we're, what we're trying to do is say, look, you know, the cost of living crisis is acute. There's people that need that food. Government funding at a local level is being cut dramatically. Let's put a bit of this £750 million into redistribution to people and not energy and let's see what difference we can make. I think as well, the change in, or that they were talking about it certainly a while ago, the, the, how um, supermarkets put the use-by date and the best-before date and the, all these sorts of dates that you find on products, I think that has helped and will help because I went. I always do my shopping on a Friday and I went to the supermarket and amongst other things, uh, I bought some meat and it was packed meat and there was no use-by date on it and I was really pleased to see that because then common sense kicks in. 
Yeah. I mean, Marks and Spencer's, am I allowed to mention retailers, but they've um, introduced, they, they milk is no longer used by date, it's now best before date, and, and most retailers will, will follow suit if they haven't already. Um, so the impact of that is that consumers will have a four-pint you know, bottle of milk in their fridge that has a best before date on, so they don't mind drinking it past that best before date. Whereas if it says used by date, people are concerned about the you know, the health risks of drinking something or consuming something past the use-by date. Particularly if they've got children or they're vulnerable or the elderly. So, so they won't, so they'll, t- they'll chuck it away. So they've only mm-hmm. consumed half of it, they'll chuck it away. So if people think about the impact of that to prediction, if the food has a use-by date on it and people are chucking it away halfway full or halfway empty, they'll go out and buy some more. So the producers are producing more that more is being wasted in the home so what we do in the home is have an impact on how much is produced now now that milk has a best before date on surplus milk has reduced i haven't got the exact figures but that's because people are going to their fridge and going well it's just the best before date it smells okay i'm going to eat it you know it's no harm so more is less is being produced therefore because people are chucking less away in the home. So it's very, very dynamic. It's very, very complex, but it start really is, you know, we've all got a responsibility. But the food industry is definitely trying to, you know, move things over from use-by dates to best-before dates, but there's a lot of investment that needs to go on into research and making sure it's definitely safe for consumers before they'll actually make that switch. But they're definitely committed to what more can we do to reduce surplus production because surplus production means cost yes uh, so things are a lengthy process but i think you know we're, we're seeing progress definitely and i think it's down to educating people as as you've said the consumer in the home but also the food producers as well and i think that's part of where fair share comes in isn't it um i mean d- during the summer holidays on, on something i wanted to look at here um have you been providing help for people during the summer holidays, particularly where they've had children? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we continue to deliver our, our service during the school holidays. Demand generally increases because obviously children are off school, so where children would normally be getting access to meals you know, during school time, they're, they're not, not doing so, or even kind of the after-school clubs or the, or the breakfast clubs. Um, so we see demand increase. Uh, I mean, the government has put significant investment into school holiday meal provision, but that ends at children that are on universal credit or um, very, very low income. So those children um, whose parents just, just kind of you know exceed that income target are missing out. So there's still so much more that we need to do across kind of the you know the voluntary sector. Um, and but but it's a start. At least there's a you know significant amount of investment that is there to support children who probably will go hungry during the school holidays. Um, but that you know maybe many listeners listeners have seen recently in the in the media that school teachers are now taking food into school because school budgets have been cut to support children. Uh, parents are coming to teachers saying, "Look, you know, we genuinely haven't got any food to feed our children at the end of the day." So it's a real problem, mm. and it's it's you know, like I said at the beginning, it's not going away. It's actually getting worse. I mean, Birmingham has way over a hundred thousand children who are classed as food insecure and living in poverty. Uh, that number is increasing. 
So, so talk to me about what we can. Talk to me about the type of food that Fair Shed distributes or, or how it's distributed for you. Because I guess a lot of it is perishable stuff as well as non-perishable. But I would imagine that, you know, because perishable does have a shelf life and, as you've said, it has to be safe to eat. But, you know, how does that part of Fair Share's process work? Yeah, I mean, we handle all, all types of food from frozen to ambient, so tins of goods, which are, which are less available as surplus just because of the very nature of what they are. But we, you know, we've got industrial freezers, we've got chillers, so we handle chilled food, lots and lots of produce. Um, so the, but the challenge there is that, you know, community groups and communities need support with food to enable them to support people in their communities. But obviously it's much easier to hand over and support people with ambient food. So, you know, your tins of soup, your packets of pasta. But that, that's, that's not really what surplus food looks like. So we're trying to encourage... Uh, the community organisations that we work with and for them to encourage people to learn how to cook on a budget, that kind of thing. So, you know, trying trying to create a food system that is much more designed around readily available surplus. But we handle all types of food. I'd say every month we distribute about 500 tonnes of food. What does that look like? That's 500 long wheelbarrow fans, parked bumper to bumper. It's quite some distance. It's about a million meals a month over a year. I think it's a good thing for listeners to visualise all of those vans would go from Birmingham probably to Paris. So if you can, Oof. listeners can imagine those vans parked from Birmingham to Paris, that's how much food we save and redistribute to people that probably that's would Im- otherwise get hungry every that's single immense. year. That's immense. Amanda. <laughs> and that's really Fair Share Midlands. That's just one, just one Fair Share region out yeah. of the whole of the Fair Share network. That's extraordinary. Something that Fair Share does as well, um, which I, I don't think I was aware of before, so forgive me, but the employability programme and the Elevate programme. What's that all about? Yeah, so, so you know, I, I guess people would say our core uh, service is redistribution of food, but. We absolutely recognise that, you know, helping people um, gain the skills to find employment either for the first time or because they've been out of employment for, for a long time um, is absolutely necessary to help individuals kind of lift themselves out of the situation that they're in, which is generally in poverty. So we provide like bespoke employability programmes, so that can be anything from learning how to drive a forklift or warehousing skills. And because of the nature of what we do, we link it with hundreds of food companies across the food industry. So we've got a good chance of, you know, once we've taken them through an employability and training programme, we can speak to one of our food partners and say, look, you know, they've gone through a dedicated programme with us. Can you please at least guarantee them an interview? And we're having some real success there. People are are getting into work. You know, it's not quite as much of a commercial approach that, you know, some of these commercial organisations would have. So it's a little bit of a softer start and a softer approach, but... More of a vocational approach. ...get people into work. Yeah, I think, you know, to to begin with, but, you know, really kind of helping them that, you know, the world of work looks like this and, you know, we, we want to help you get work. So... Yeah, so it's not just about food redistribution. We are helping people, you know, move on in their lives. So there's lots of added benefits to to what we do. Now, you recently had a visit from Birmingham councillor Lee Marsham. What was that all about? Well, he was out for, uh, you know, interested in what's happening in his ward. You know, he's 
I think he's very well known in the area that our neat tools depots are, are based and is a real advocate for our work, certainly follows us avidly on social media. So he came and actually volunteered there for the uh, you know, the typical photo opportunity, genuinely came in and helped us for the day and we sat down and talked about what more he, he might be able to do, but you know, he's got lots of challenges. His ward, um, which is where our warehouses are based in Birmingham, is one of the most deprived, certainly in Birmingham and the West Midlands. And uh, he's got a whole host of things that he needs to uh, get involved with and try and uh, influence. But he's, um, he recognises that the work that we do is, is important for people in his constituency and his ward. So what help and support can we do to help Fair Share? Uh, you know, because you you have a certain amount of volunteers, don't you, as well? We do, we do, yeah. But certainly since, uh, you know, the cost of living crisis, particularly when people are where we'd see people a few years ago retiring and thinking, you know, I really want to go out there and volunteer and drive a van for an organisation. What they're tending to do now is, instead of volunteer, let me just work for a little bit longer because... I just need that little bit of extra income. So volunteering is a bit of a challenge for us. So if anybody's listening that's interested in you know, giving up a few hours a week, then please do get in touch. You know, we've got we have a website. Um, but but genuinely, Clive, you know, people just to be interested and to advocate for the work that we do. You know, we're saving great food from being destroyed. So we have the you know positive environmental impact, and we're helping to feed people. So. Clearly, I'm a real advocate for the organisation, but people just to be in touch um, and just find out a bit more about what we do. Um, and if people have got spare time on their hands, then absolutely get in touch. I think the work that, that Fair Share does, not only just Fair Share Midlands, but Fair Share right across the UK, I think is invaluable. I really do. Thank you. So where, where can we go for more information? Well, the website, so Fair Share Midlands, if people just type in Fair Share Midlands to Google, should take you straight to our website. Uh, and there's, there's a very obvious link. Uh, so, yeah, please, please do get in touch. If anybody's listening on a Friday evening thinking, do you know what, I want to give us a few hours, or that actually sounds really quite interesting, please do get in touch. Go to the website and um, we'd be great, grateful to hear from you. And volunteering looks good on a CV as well. It does, yeah. So any any uh, young kids that have just passed their A-levels who are perhaps thinking about taking a bit of time out before they move on to their next next challenge in life, then be great. We'll get you in, you know, moving a few cages around and loading a few bands, going out as a driver's mate. It's actually really quite an exciting volunteering role to do. It's not working in a uh, charity shop. It's something really quite different and really good kind of social element to volunteering at Fair Share. And making a positive difference as well, which is important. Absolutely. Simone Connolly from Fair Share Midlands, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.